Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Oh, praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for preparing us for the days to come. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to continue with avoiding the uh, Vax Plague number three. And uh, we call this Authority Over Plagues and uh, Building the Temple. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you're, I'm sure you're, like I have noticed it across the country, there are people coughing and uh, pains of flu-like symptoms. And it's probably because of the chemtrails and the 5G in the natural. But it's, it's a test of the Lord. And um, we're just getting ready and prepared. Hallelujah. Um, I asked the Lord, did these chemtrails come from the wicked, meaning the deep state? And I got uh, two heads for yes. I already knew that, but I just want to have a confirmation for you. Is uh, I asked him, is this an inoculation from you? In other words, all things come from God for one purpose or another. Well, discuss a couple of those purposes and i got two heads for yes and i've gotten the same exact thing before um i asked this a few years ago and got the same answer of course it is also a test of faith to see if we will believe and confess our sacrifice jesus right by whose stripes we were healed it's already done we have his health and James 1, 2-8 says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into manifold temptations, knowing that the proving of your faith... Now, if you're not uh, met with some kind of resistance, how can your faith get proven, right? Uh, knowing that the proving of your faith worketh patience, and let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. Are you perfect in your faith? while you're enduring the trial that looks contrary to what you believe, right? Because that's exactly what we're having to do, right? Uh, But if any of you lacketh wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. For he that doubteth is like the surge of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So, we must uh, do what Hebrews 10.23 says, Hold fast the confession of our hope, that it waver not, for he is faithful that promised. This is a trial of your faith. Hold on to the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord. He will do the job. Okay, 
So, as we see, the Lord is also inoculating us with their plague. It's going to kill some people because they don't have a sacrifice and they don't believe. And uh, it's not necessarily that they will go to hell. Some people do uh, come to the Lord even at the time of when they know they're dying and they know they're they are run out of time and so on. But um, this inoculation thing, uh, uh, Merriam-Webster says inoculation is the act or process of an instance of inoculating. Um, and, of course, that's what we're talking about, especially uh, the introduction of a pathogen or antigen into a living organism to stimulate the production of antibodies within the body. In other words, our body is designed to come against these antigens or pathogens, and it's designed to um, stimulate our immune system, which, by the way, the vaccine destroys. So this is the most powerful vaccine, is your own immune system. And, uh, of course, they... They don't want that. They don't want to be in competition with that. They want to take people out. So uh, it's really beyond a coincidence. I believe that uh, Amber just got our book finished on, and it's on Lulu, um, uh, saving our families through faith. And on the cover of it, <laughs> what are the chances? We were just looking at it Friday. Uh, we see on the cover, Aaron. Uh, took the sensor and ran between the dying and the living and stopped the plague. Well, we were using that as a symbol, of course, that um, we can stand in the gap for our our families by faith, and uh, we can not only save them from the plague, but the plague of sin and death, right? So, uh, number 16, 46 through 50 says... And Moses said unto Aaron, Take thy censer, and put fire therein from off of the altar, which represents the sacrifice of Jesus, uh, and by whose stripes we were healed. Right? And lay incense thereon. Incense uh, is a type of prayer, um, and we have to come in an agreement that our prayers will be answered. Jesus said, Everything you pray for, believe you received it. Wow. Okay, so if you don't believe, you're double-minded and you're not receiving. That may be the biggest reason why people don't receive outside of unforgiveness. Okay? And uh, carry it quickly unto the congregation and make atonement for them. That's a covering for them from this curse, right? For there's wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. Well, we got a new one begun in the northeast over there, and it's spreading around. Um, an atonement is a sacrifice to cover us from the curse. Jesus sacrificed himself to deliver us from the curse, but also that we could sacrifice our self-life to escape the curse. Right? Verse 47. And Aaron took as Moses spake and ran into the midst of the assembly, and behold, the plague was begun among the people. And he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. Amen. The plague 
Uh, we got the sacrifice, and now we see the prayer. You know, you have not because you ask not. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Well, we know that Jesus is our high priest, and he stood between the dead, representing those who have died because they did not believe in the sacrifice, okay, and the living. He stood between us. Um, and we need to partake of this life that he has given unto us, right? Because he did stand between us and that plague. And by whose stripes we were healed. Amen. And uh, Exodus 12 and 13 says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house. A token is a, a sign of things to come, right? Uh, upon the houses whereon ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And there shall be no plague upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Well, there's your Passover. When he sees the blood. Okay, so how does he see the blood? And how is the blood applied in your life? How do you apply the blood? They applied it to their doorpost uh, and their lentil. And uh, when they went in and when they went out, they were blessed, okay? Well, Romans uh, 3 and 23 through 26 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So nobody can really uh, present themselves before God as um, sinless. Uh, we ask, That's why we need our sacrifice, right? Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation, which is that covering, uh, through faith in His blood. There it is, through faith in His blood. That's how it's applied. You, you exercise faith that you now have the blood of Jesus and not the blood of your parents, which passed the curse on to you. So, to show His righteousness because of the passing over of the sins done aforetime in the forbearance of God. For the showing, I say, of His righteousness at this present season, that he might himself be just and the justifier of him that hath faith in Jesus. He accounts righteous those who have faith in the sacrifice of Jesus. And also 1 John 1, 7 through 9. But if we walk in the light, and this is talking about of God's word. There are many people who walk in the light of their religion. Won't count. Won't help a bit. Uh, we're walking in the light of God's Word, and we're walking. We're not standing, right? So as He is in the light, as Jesus is in the light, Jesus is the Word. We need to abide in Him and walk as He walked, right? Uh, and we have fellowship one with another. That's another thing here. There's two things mentioned here uh, of how to apply the blood, right? Have fellowship one with another. So walk in the light and have fellowship one with another. What about those who hate fellowship with Christians who know their dark sins? Hmm. Well, no, they don't have a covering. 
Um, and that's why the plague, as we've seen in our dreams, is going to take many of them out. Some will repent. That's good. And uh, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So if you do these things like walk in the light and have fellowship one with another, in other words, you love your brother and you uh, want to have fellowship with them, then uh, he cleanses us from all sin. And if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And verse 9 goes on to say, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, now you're in right standing with God, right? You can have any of his benefits. Amen. Also, Zechariah 14 and 12 says, And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the peoples that have warred against Jerusalem. Oh, the bride. The people who have warred against the bride. God's going to use the plague against the people who have warred against the bride. We've seen this in our dreams and in the words that we've received, like this one. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. Now, that's happening. And their eyes shall consume away in their sockets. Yes, they have no no discernment whatsoever. They've lost all sight of God and His ways, and they're doing their own thing. And their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. That's one of their biggest uh, enemies is their own tongue because they're going to be judged by their own tongue. Amen? So, Psalm 91, 1 through 16 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The secret place is abiding in Christ. And that, and He is the Word. Okay, And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that He is our refuge, we will have it. My God in whom I trust. Confess your trust in the Lord. For he will deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. There's your benefit, right? And from the deadly pestilence. There's your benefit. And he will cover thee with his pinions. And under his wings shalt thou take refuge. His truth is a shield and a buckler. You need your shield and buckler. The enemy is out to kill you. Okay? So confess Him as your Savior and your Deliverer and your Provider and your Healer and your Immunization. Right? Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, because you don't really get to see it, you know, but you can see the effects of it. And some people get in fear when they see the effects of it. Well, that's when you don't need to fear it, and you don't need to walk by sight. You need to walk by faith, right? The righteous shall live from faith, right? Nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, that's happened, and ten thousand at thy right hand, that's happened too, but it shall not come nigh thee. Okay, so listen to these benefits and listen to what you do to get these benefits. So only with thine eyes thou shalt behold and see the reward of the wicked. Uh, listen, anybody who is not justified by faith is the wicked. I hate to tell you that. doesn't matter if you call yourself a Christian or not. If you're not justified by faith, you're not justified. 
which means accounted righteous. If you're not accounted righteous, what are you, wicked? <laughs> for, for thou, O Lord, art my refuge. Thou hast made the Most High thy habitation. There it is. Confessing Him as our refuge makes Him our habitation. And who's going to bother you there, right? There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy tent. And your tent, of course, is your tabernacle. We'll talk about that in a few minutes here. Your tabernacle. It's that temporary body you walk around in, right? It's temporary. There's a, a real, true, solid body that's coming, right? For he will give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Yes, they will. They are there. That's their job. They they wait for the word of God to come out of your mouth so that they can act on it. They shall bear thee up on their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. And the young lion and the serpent shalt thou trample underfoot. These are demons, by the way. Because he hath set his love upon me, which is what? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You walk by faith, you'll be able to keep his commandments, right? He gives power. Therefore, will I deliver him. Ooh. <clears throat> That's what we need right there. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life uh, will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So, is Jesus in danger of any plagues? Well, we know that he's not and he wasn't on this earth. Uh, then neither are you, if you believe, because uh, in our renewed imagination, we see Jesus in the mirror which means that we don't live anymore. He lives in us because you're looking at Jesus in that mirror. And whose face is in the mirror? Yours, right? So Second Corinthians 3 and 18 says, But we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image. This is the secret of the gospel. You believe it before you see it. That's how the righteous live by faith and not by sight into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. Now, now you're not, uh, you're not uh, uh, entitled to any of the plagues of this world if you're living as Jesus. And you accept that first by faith, right? Just like this verse says. And we're like Jesus in this world. We are called the body of Christ. And He lives in the body of Christ. There are many people who are not acting in the body of Christ. They're acting in the world, right? They're not abiding in Him. They're abiding in the world. And, of course, it's very dangerous out there. There's no benefits. Uh, you hide in the secret place of the Most High. It's secret to all the world, okay? But not to us. First John four seventeen says, Herein is love made perfect with us that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, even so are we in this world. All right. As He is, not as He was, right? 
as he is, so are we in this world. Think about that. It, it deserves some thought and meditation, right? I remember Shalanda having a vision of merging into Jesus. The two were merged together, right? So are you safe in there? Of course you are. Luke 10 and 19 says, Behold, I have given you authority. Wow, authority over what? In one other case, all the power of the enemy. He says a little bit further down here. Uh, but he's saying over the serpents and the scorpions. These are demons. Serpents and scorpions. I've given you authority over them. Right? Demons are the ones uh, that distribute plagues, by the way, spirits of infirmity. But we have the authority to say no when we see symptoms or when we're manifesting symptoms. We have the authority to say no. Uh, we have authority over all their power to hurt us because the verse goes on to say, and nothing shall in any wise hurt you. What's the condition? The condition is, of course, taking your authority over these principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. So, um, you know, in uh, our last Monday uh, prayer meeting, uh, I saw several times myself um, telling people to point their fingers at certain people and command a healing and a deliverance and a provision and whatever was necessary. And so we did that and uh, and declare them healed and delivered and saved and so on. So with your renewed imagination, you can see power come out of your finger by faith to do this work. Because Jesus said, if you command like this mountain, to be taken up and cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, uh, you will have what you say. Right? There's power, okay? Uh, and for them to receive their need through faith, and Jesus said he did always those things that he saw of his Father, and so we do too. So I saw that, and that's when I declared that we could do this. Okay, and we did. And, of course, there's a, there's a twofold... Uh, humility that, that has to be there, the person that's sending the gift and the person that's receiving the gift. So, along with uh, Jesus, we speak to the mountain and we don't doubt that we shall have it. And along with Jesus, we say, be it unto you according to your faith. And as you have believed, so shall it be unto you. Right? So we say that that person receiving should be believing. Right? And the person that's sending should be believing. So when two or more of us agree, that then there's power. Um, people did receive Monday night. Some people probably didn't believe. They were just going along with everybody else. Okay, well, then that's, you're not going to see anything, but you can still receive that, right? So uh, if you gave it and they received it, then that's it. Then both should believe that you have received as Jesus commanded in Mark eleven twenty three and 24. It's not the method, but the uh, releasing of the faith. 
uh, and it's even multiplied by numbers of people coming together, as if Matthew eighteen eighteen and nineteen says, if any two of you agree. So, so it's uh, much more powerful when there's more people doing the believing, right? So, I want to share this with you. Um, we called it uh, the one eleven to eleven one revelation. <laughs> this was strange. This was really strange. In uh, part two of avoid the vax plague, a verse was mentioned. It was Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the assurance of the thing hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. So you're convinced of something you don't yet see, and you have faith uh, as your assurance that this is yours, right? Okay. So when I read this verse in the broadcast, um, the address numbers were reversed to... Hebrews one eleven. I actually read the verse this way, but immediately knew that it was wrong from my memory. I knew it was 11 and 1. So uh, I corrected it in the text and uh, to reverse those numbers in the audio, uh, I asked uh, Casey to do, reverse those numbers in the audio, which he did, okay? So I corrected it in the text, and I turned and sent it to him. I, I, I looked at the sent version in my email to Casey, and it was reversed back to 111. Yes. I said, now, wait a minute. How can this happen? I know I did this, right? So I asked Casey to change the text back again on the website to 11 and 1. And I also sent the corrected text to myself and noticed that it had changed back to 111. What are the chances of this? So I thought maybe uh, the, the other versions leading up to the perfected version there had an effect on this of some kind. So I deleted all the previous drafts of my text to ensure that there was not some form of auto-correcting happening. And um, and I wondered if the Lord was trying to tell me something, you know. So we discovered what Hebrews 1.11 says. It says, They shall perish, but thou continuest. And they all shall wax old as doth a garment. Hmm... So, as we shall see, we figured that the two verses were speaking a message from the Lord that people will perish in the coming plagues without faith, according to Hebrews 11 and 1. 1-11, What a message. And then Eve had this dream concerning a variant that the Lord labeled 11-11. And she sent it to me. And we called it God's Plague Variant 1111. This was given to Eve Brass on January the 12th, 2023. So, uh, I, she said, I dreamed I was in a narrow hallway near the entrance inside of a building. 
Well, Jesus, we know, is the narrow way, and he is also the door to the sheepfold by which we must enter, right? Uh, I watched as Greg and Brandy came through the front door. And Greg means watchman. And he and Brandy represented, we believe, the watchman on the walls of Zion, as we will see. Okay. They were dressed in layers of clothing with scars and toboggans on their head. They both had uh, uh, one of those puffy north face coats on top of their layered clothing. So this seems to indicate a time of uh, very cold weather, which we just got through here. And also, North Face uh, is a place on, uh, maybe a play on the words facing north, which is where the Bible says the kingdom of God is located, right? And that's in Psalm 48 and 2. It says, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. So, um, inside this building, there seemed to be much concern from the people about the world events taking place, especially sickness and plagues that were going around. And it seemed to be uh, dominating uh, all the conversations. So I believe this is beginning to happen as more and more of God's judgments are beginning to fall on mankind through, in this case, the deep state powers that be. And uh, as Greg and, and Brandy passed me, she said, I heard them talking about the new variant that was going around and that this was the real deal, they said. So... Um, I was wondering what number the powers that be had assigned to this new plague variant when the voice of the Lord spoke from above and behind me and said, It is variant 1111. In other words, the Lord is calling it variant 1111, no matter what the powers that be were calling it. <laughs> and uh, if you remember... The uh, 111 to 11 1. It had an 11 11 right in the middle of it, right? So that was another really strong confirmation. Um, I, she said, I saw the variant in a vision in the dream as a white scripture address 11 11. Okay, and that was the end of her dream. Well, I believe that this dream is the answer to the riddle the Lord gave me of one eleven to eleven one. It's pretty interesting. Hebrews one eleven, they shall perish, but thou continuest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment. Well, we know many will perish without the faith of Hebrews. 11.1. Now, faith is the assurance of the thing hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. We know that by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. 
And we know that Psalm 103 says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities and healeth all thy diseases. And we know that Exodus 15 and 26 says, I will put none of the diseases upon thee, which I have put upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Of course, he was talking about the Passover. Faith in the blood of the Lamb. Right? So, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about uh, man-child preserved through faction and pharmacia attacks. Mm-hmm. So on one eleven and twenty three, get this. On the day one eleven twenty three, I saw on my Esword Bible search this came up. Second Kings eleven and one. <laughs> Can you believe it? Now, when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal. Wow. So, what came to me, well, first I'm going to say this. Notice that the address is 111 and 11 in 1, and now here is a wonder. I had used this sword Esword a Bible search quite a few times after this Second Kings eleven and one came up on one eleven. <laughs> so it should not have been there because I I had used it several times and it would not have stayed up there. You know, it would go on to something else. Uh, it should have been deleted, but it wasn't. It was an act of God, no doubt in my mind, you know, that the Lord is saying to us just exactly what we're talking about here, right? So let's look at this text, 2 Kings 11 and 1 uh, through 21. Now, when Athaliah, uh, whom I believe represents Jezebel, witchcraft, and faction, uh, because that's what she did. So, which is translated from the New Testament as pharmakia, right? Witchcraft uh, is translated pharmakia, right? And so, uh, uh, and what is this plague, by the way? It's pharmakia. It's pharmakia. So, she, she killed off the seed royal, but she missed one, as we know, the man-child, Okay. And uh, that's those people who were contending for the leadership of the kingdom, by the way. They would have inherited the leadership of the kingdom, but they were taken down. So, Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead. She arose and destroyed all the seed royal. So, uh, witchcraft and faction killed the brethren of Jesus, the man-child. Just like Herod did. Just like Abimelech and the men of Shechem did. When the one man-child that was preserved prophesied a faction in their midst that destroyed them. Okay, you remember he stood on the mountain. The one son of Gideon left stood on the mountain and he prophesied this curse on them for the evil that they did. Okay, verse 2. But Jehoshaphat, 
the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons that were slain. There he is, okay? So one man-child survived, as with Herod and as with Abimelech, uh, the men of Shechem. So even him and his nurse and put them in the bedchamber, and they hid him from Athaliah so that he was not slain. And he was hid uh, with her uh, in the house of the Lord six years. Jesus went into Egypt and uh, to escape Herod, right? Yeah. And Athaliah reigned over the land. Yeah, well, we see that happening now. That witchcraft is reigning over the land. Okay. And in the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and fetched the captains over hundreds and the Karaites uh, and of the guard and brought them to him into the house of the Lord. And he made a covenant with them and took an oath of them in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. That's the last man child. <laughs> and he commanded them, saying, This is the thing that you shall do. A third part of you that come in on the Sabbath shall be keepers of the watch of the king's house, and a third part shall be at the gate sure, and a third part at the gate behind the guard. So shall you keep the watch of the house and be a barrier. And the two companies of you, even all that go forth on the Sabbath, shall keep the watch of the house of the Lord about the king. In other words, they were to protect the man-child, right? The military protected the man-child until he was anointed. And we've gotten this many times, by the way, and I believe this is what's being stated here, is that the people of God should be protecting the man-child the devil wants to kill, as we can see with Herod, uh, the men of Shechem, and so on and so forth. This situation, right? And the angel said that you are God's military. Did you notice that? They reported to us that we are God's military. So exercise your authority over those who want to destroy the man-child and, of course, the works of the man-child, because they are enemies of the kingdom. And uh, witchcraft and faction are the biggest enemies of the kingdom in that regard. And um, and we'll see this too in, in Michael's dream, which we're going to share. And you shall compass the king round about, every man with his weapons in his hand, and he that cometh within the ranks, let him be slain. And be ye with the king when he goeth out and when he cometh in. So we just received this text in our morning prayer meeting. Just just received it. And the captains over hundreds did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And they took every man his men and those that were to come in on the Sabbath with those that were to go out on the Sabbath and came to Jehoiada the priest. And the priest delivered to the captains over hundreds and spears and shields that had been King David's, which were in the house of the Lord. And the guard stood, every man with his weapons in his hand, from the right side of the house to the left side of the house, along by the altar, 
and the house by the king round about. So they had him um, protected, well protected. And this was written in the margin of my Bible. Listen to this. On 11-12-16, this was written in the margin of my Bible on that verse, 11-12-16. And it was 11-12-16. Notice the number, which is also the address of the verse that my finger was on, 11-12. And when I asked the Lord, will you give me authority faith, and mercy to take down the faction. In other words, in the church and state is what I was thinking. And I I put my finger on this verse, which I took to mean yes, 11 and 12. How many times do you have to have it confirmed, right? Then he brought out the king's son and put the crown upon him and gave him the testimony and they made him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king. All right. And verse 13 goes on to say, And when Athaliah heard the noise of the guard and of the people, she came to the people into the house of the Lord. And she looked, and behold, the king stood by the pillar as the manor was and the captains and the trumpets by the king. And all the people of the land rejoiced in blue trumpets. Then Athaliah rent her clothes and cried, Treason! Treason! (laughs) How in the world could she cry treason? For goodness sake, she sounds a lot like Hillary and uh, Pelosi, uh, who both, I believe, have met their demise, although I don't think everybody knows that. Uh, anyway, verse 15. And Jehoiada, the priest, commanded the captains of hundreds that were set over the host, and said unto them, Have her forth between the ranks, and him that followeth her slay with the sword. For the priest said, Let her not be slain in the house of the Lord. Yes, we would want to pollute the house of the Lord with uh, people of witchcraft or people of faction. So no faction or witchcraft is permitted in the house of the Lord. We've seen that because God just drives them out. So they made way for her, and she went by the way of the horse's entry to the king's house, and there she was slain in Gitmo. <laughs> no. And... uh Jehoiada made a covenant between Jehovah and the king and the people that they should be the Lord's people between the king also and the people and all the people of the land. Um, hmm. People of the land? Uh, I wonder if this is just a symbol of um, like we've received in our dreams, visions, and words that the deep state uprising will come against the apostate church. And we can already see that pharmakia, or witchcraft, has come against them um, in the died-suddenly plague. I don't know if you've discovered that or not. People are just dropping dead all over the world. It's astounding. Sudden death. 
All the people of the land went to the house of Baal and break it down. His altars and his images break they in pieces thoroughly and slew Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. Matan represents the apostate leadership. Baal was the false Jesus in the apostate churches. I'm saying they're going to come against these. Okay. And the priest appointed officers over the house of the Lord, and he took the captains over hundreds, and, and the Karaites, and the guard, and all the people of the land, and they brought down the king from the house of the Lord, and came by the way of the gate of the guard unto the king's house, and he sat on the throne of the kings. So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the king and the city was quiet. And Athaliah they had slain with the sword at the king's house. And Jehoash, that's that man-child that was left, was seven years old when he began to reign. So thank you, Lord. So I want to share this um, assassination dream that was given to Michael Hare on uh, 12-31-22, we believe. And... Um, he said, I dreamed that I was standing in the kitchen near the sink and saw outside a big silver truck that was trailering a very large white speedboat behind it. Um, well, silver and white seem initially a positive thing, but outward appearances can be deceiving. Um he said, I yelled at David and told him someone was coming up the driveway. So before this man showed up to visit us in real life, we considered it a good thing. You know, kind of like those colors there, you know. We thought it was going to be a good thing. So the truck just came on into the garage with the boat sticking outside. Uh, David went out into the garage to see who it was and by the time I got to the garage door and opened it I saw David sitting on his knees uh, in a bowed position and he looked up at me with a reserved look of fate on his face I knew instantly that the driver of the truck uh, pulling the boat had a pistol pointed at David well, fear for David struck me very hard, and then the dream ended. Well, I, here's what I thought. This is what I believe the Lord gave to me. The pistol was to give me a shot. <laughs> a shot. That's right. I've never taken the shot, okay? But the pistol was to give me the effect of the shot, meaning assassination by uh, the vaccine plague. Right. You know, the people that are dangerous out there, of course, are the people who have taken the shot, and they're shedding on everybody, right? Those are the dangerous ones. And um, I, I'm not saying that this particular person that actually did show up the next day um, was doing this on purpose, but uh, we, we got a, a revelation of this person, you know. And uh, that, and I did ask about it. And I'll talk to you about that in a minute. So I'd asked the Lord if He had uh, 
if this person had the plague and got a positive answer. And uh, I confirmed that by a lot. And the boat represented the fact that this man did not want to get into the water of the Word, which happened before my eyes in the natural. And uh, natural, I mean, we I was talking to him, and, and at first he was very interested, and suddenly it was just total no interest there, total turned off, it's all gone. You know, he was not going to get into any deeper water than he was already in you know, standing, you know, toe deep in water, right? So then below, uh, we received a confirming dream of this person not receiving the water, but leaving in anger and being judged for it. Hmm. I tell you what, folks, nothing really gets by us around here. We got so many people that have powerful dreams, visions, revelations. It's just awesome. And the wicked don't get a pass here, and that's why they're quick to leave. And we like that because we don't a little leaven leavens the whole lump. God knows he wants a holy body here, and he's getting it. So So we're going to call this confirmation dream that was given to Elena Timoshuk on 12-30-22. Judgment upon the enemies of the man-child reformers. Hmm. I had a dream about a couple, actually. Their names were, and these names were symbolic. They weren't naming, but we knew who this was talking about. The people showed up, right? Their names were either Annie and Gary or Anita and Andre. And I looked up both sets of names, and they both meant about the same thing. Annie means grace and favor, and Anita means graceful and merciful, and Gary means spear, and Andre means warrior. What was so interesting about it is the woman that came was a very meek and humble person. And a good person. But the man was not. And as we will see, this represents people who fight against the man-child Davids. So here is the dream that she had. This new couple came to UBM and their names were one of the ones I mentioned above. We know who this couple is and they are the ones from Michael's dream. Those dreams were, as you know, came together, right? They seemed sweet. The man was um, tall and had a beard, and the woman uh, was shorter and had dark hair, and uh, those were the only characteristics I could remember. Uh, They joined for one meeting, and then the man was at home while... uh, Excuse me. And then the woman was at home while the man went to a meeting with Michael and David. In a spiritual way, this happened. Okay. Michael and David gently gave this man a correction, and he immediately got very angry and left the meeting. We've seen this come over people. It, it reminds us of the, the uh, faction, how that any kind of correction, it, they just explode. Uh, it's the Lord that does it, actually, because 
um, he doesn't want their perversion in our midst, and so he just drives them out, right? So, but we know anger resides in the bosom of a fool. That's what the word says. And that fools hate correction, okay? So he was walking home in a rage, and right before he reached his driveway, I saw leaves and dust start swirling around him, and a fire rose up out of the ground and consumed him. When the fire dissipated, all of that, all that was left were his bones. You know that symbolically, this destruction seems like a spiritual judgment that happens to the factious when those demons take them over. They are dead. I just have to tell you, they they have no connection to God whatsoever. They are dead to anything good, right, true. Um, and they fall into various perversions and so on and so forth, right? And then, uh, Elena said, my husband David and I were driving by their house and we saw his skeleton on the ground right before his driveway and he told me that we needed to go in and let his wife know what happened. So we came to her door and she let us in. Uh, my husband exchanged a few pleasantries with her and then nodded pointedly at me and stepped out of the house. And I came up to her with tears in my eyes and gave her a hug. And as I was hugging her, I told her everything that happened to her husband. She cried a little and then stepped out of my embrace and wiped her tears and smiled a little. Mm-hmm. Then she got busy in her kitchen and started making tea as she was expecting some other women from our fellowship to come over. And I watched her, uh, surprised that she was able to compose herself so quickly and had this sense that the Lord set her free and delivered her of a burden. Yes. After I wrote the dream down, I want to tell you too, by the way, um, the judgments that are coming, the Lord told us way back that he was going to remove people who were standing in the way of families uh, serving him, standing in the way of a wife serving him, standing in the way of a congregation serving him. He's going to use the plague to remove them. That's what he told us. And after I wrote the dream down, I asked the Lord for a verse and received Mark ten forty eight, And my finger landed on the words, Many rebuked him. Many rebuked him. And many rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried out the more, a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. <laughs> Yeah. So I prayed asking the Lord for a verse to confirm this dream and my finger landed on Psalm 1, 5 through 6. Therefore the wicked shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. You see, and this is how I've been telling you God does this. If it's a righteous congregation, He is able to remove them quickly. And He has. 
For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. Just like this person, right? So we believe that many who will not listen will be judged by these plagues. And we have been told by the Lord that he would use the plagues to remove people who are hindering his leadership in families and assemblies and etc. Right. So I'm not saying that everybody, some people just don't have any faith and they get removed by the plague. They don't know the the covenant that they have. They haven't spent time putting it into their hearts so that they have a Passover. They're not eating the Lamb of God who is the Word of God. You eat the Word, it is a bulwark unto you. It is a shield unto you, as we just read, right? So people think all kinds of things are important, but I can tell you now people are going to realize there's only one thing important, and that is put the Word of God in your heart. So now I want to talk to you about disregarding the prophet's voice. Last night uh, I was given a vision that I believe is about the prophet Jesus' voice being heard through his vessels, but then being disregarded. And this caused them to be cut off as in Acts 3 and 23. And it shall be that every soul that shall not hearken to that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. So we've gotten this recently. And uh, I was looking out of my window at a little bird with no particular markings that was singing. The Lord showed me that this represents His pleasant voice going forth and at first being admired and accepted like some have come to us and listened and enjoyed the Word, right? Then the bird swooped down and landed on the concrete at the base of my house. And as I watched, the bird morphed into a bigger hawk or eagle type shape because that's what I saw was the shape more than I did the, the nature of it. So the Lord showed me that this represented the vessel that they first listened to who were based on the concrete or rock becoming a judgment on those who ceased to listen. We know that this is a pattern in the Bible constantly. When God's people ceased to listen, he sent enemies against them to destroy them and to remove them from their land. So we know that the lamb becomes the lion, right? Um, These people who ceased to listen and have gotten judged has happened for years. Matthew twenty one forty two. Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same was made the head of their corner. This was from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So this eagle represents the anointed man-child, which the angels confirmed was the meaning of my sighting of a large eagle flying low at the back door of my house. I was walking up to my back door, big glass door, okay? 
And I looked out, and right in front of me, just about eye level, was this, well, I would say it was a kind of a muscular-looking uh, eagle flying by. And, of course, that's a strange thing to even see an eagle over here, you know, much less this thing flying by uh, right there just a few feet behind my door. <laughs> so um, I asked the angel, you know, what did this mean? And the angel told me um, that it meant the soon coming of the man-child. So, so this angel represents the anointed man-child, uh, which the angels confirmed was the meaning of my sighting of a that large large eagle. Right. So, um, here's another revelation. Here, this is Marie Kelton, and uh, the owl becomes an eagle. The owl becomes an eagle. And I'm just briefly going to go to this and then come back, back to my vision, okay? Um, in this dream, I was with my little sister in Chicago, and we were outside, and it was daytime, and we saw a little brown owl perched on a tree. Well, I believe, as we will see, that this represents the pre-anointed wise man-child, Wisdom many times has been looked upon. Sometimes God uses what people uh, are associated with or know, you know, and they associate owls with wisdom, okay? Sometimes. We, we looked into the sky and we saw two eagles perched on a cloud. Huh. Well, I thought that this was probably the great cloud of witnesses of Jesus who passed on their words to today's man-child body. Do you remember Jesus went sent forth his witnesses two by two, right? Into every place that he was to come, two by two. And they were a corporate body of two witnesses, by the way, uh, the Scriptures is talking about the same thing in the book of Revelation, a corporate body of two witnesses. Okay, uh, And then we saw the little owl fly up to the eagles, representing the man-child caught up to the throne, where, by the way, all those witnesses are now. <laughs> and I had a uh, thought that the eagles in the cloud were the owl's parents. Well, that's exactly true, right? I mean, we learn so much from the seed of our parents, right? These modern-day man-childs are direct descendants of the original two-by-two two witnesses of Jesus. We believe what they said. We study what they said. We don't care what men say, right? That's how we uh, enter into this. Let that seed be in you, which was in them, right? And as we were uh, taking pictures of it with our cell phones, I realized that it wasn't a little brown owl anymore, but an eagle that was flying to the two eagles on the cloud. Well, you know, the man-child exhibits the gift of wisdom before the anointing. And now he is an eagle. 
right, in this particular revelation. And we know that this is coming, caught up to the throne, we call it, right? So then I heard David say in the dream, the Lord wants us to be like eagles and not like owls. That's true. We we got to grow outgrow this thing, this uh, physical life. Owls, let me say, are more earthly birds flying near to the ground, right? Whereas eagles fly far more heavenly, um, as you would expect with uh, a latter rain anointing, right? And by the way, that eagle I saw was flying close to the ground, but then he went out the end of the house and took off up in the air, you know. Anyway, no. so back to my vision, okay. Uh, then the vision changed, and I was sharing with some people in my house who were listening to the word intently, and then as I was speaking, they suddenly ignored me as I spoke and started to chatter senselessly to one another. So they interrupted me rudely and became stupid. I mean, this is what happened. This is what I saw. And so this is what happens when one doesn't act on what they hear and ends up factioning away. We call them the stupid demons because literally they become stupid. And they make no sense whatsoever. They can't tell the truth. They have no conscience, etc. So... So we have been told by the Lord in dreams and visions that many of these people will be taken out by the plagues. And I want to say, too, the angel said that some of these on their deathbed will get a revelation of who they have been and what they have done, and they will repent. Praise God. (laughs) That's exactly what we're praying for. So I noted through this process that Our brother Greg was watching and listening to this scenario. And then I woke up. Well, the name Greg means vigilant, watchful. And I believe this uh, indicates that the watchful and vigilant righteous will learn from this scenario how important respecting the voice of the Lord is. Right? Amen. I believe that's what that means. And we, you know, we see the judgment that falls on these people and it makes us know how important to God love is between the brethren and forgiveness is between the brethren and respect is between the brethren. We have a very loving group here. And uh, and the reason it stays that way is God takes out those bad influences. He is very jealous for our assembly of people here. And he removes these people quickly. As soon as they say, uh, ignore the Word of God, as soon as they ignore the Word of God and do their own thing, and then get angry when they get corrected, boom, they're gone. It's just that quick. It's amazing. So we see that those who do not listen and hinder the truth uh, may be separated and removed by the plagues as we've seen in dreams and visions. And Brandy had this dream uh, a few days before I had my revelation. And we called it The Scoffers Won't Listen. Uh, Brandy Arney, 12 22 
He said, I dreamed that my wife Amber and I had been in a classroom setting in a school. I believe the school represents apostate Christianity in Babylonish captivity. Okay. We were seated among the students, and I was talking to them about fasting and its benefits. Fasting, of course, means represents denying your flesh, right? So Brandy and Amber are here to instruct and, and to show. And many of the students were scoffing at each statement I made. The flesh hates the crucified life, and those who walk after the flesh will die. As the word says, he gives Romans eight twelve through fourteen. So then, brethren, we are debtors not to not to uh, the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And also Second uh, Peter uh, three, three and seven, knowing this first, that in the last days, mockers shall come with mockery, walking after their own lusts. Yes, we've seen them. But the heavens that now are and the earth by the same word have been stored up for fire, being reserved against the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Hmm. But there was one young man sitting to my left that was asking sincere questions, and I began to address him directly as he was looking up to me with undivided attention. I felt love for him as he was looking at me with his stringy hair uh, partially covering his eyes. Um... Well, this young man uh, seems to represent the remnant that is coming out from among them. Uh, Revelation 18, uh, 4 and 8. Come forth, my people, out of her, that you have no fellowship with her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. And verse 8. Therefore, in one day shall her plagues come, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judged her. Well, uh, Brandy went on to say, we were there, it seemed, to try to evangelize the students. However, there was no interest save for the one young mixed-race boy that was seated next to me. Well, this boy represents, I believe, all races who listen and come out since he is mixed race, right? He's a composite, so to speak, right? And uh, John 8:47, He that is of God hears the words of God, and for this cause you hear them not, because you are not of God. So this is proof. This is how God proves people. I gently spoke to everyone, saying to them that when we fast, God works in us to help us in every way. It was as if uh, each time I answered, 
uh, a question, the Holy Spirit would rise up in me and answer the question in a more direct tone, which made the scoffing and the disrespectful students more agitated and vocal. <laughs> yeah. Matthew 10, uh, 19 through 20. It's what came to me. It says, But when they deliver you up, be not anxious or how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father that speaketh in you. So he was speaking in the Spirit here, and that got him more agitated, right? That's what demons do. They wouldn't. They would talk over me as I spoke and bark loudly when I explained to them how the flesh would weaken more and more with each day of fasting. Oh, they don't want to hear about that. The more we deny self, the more self dies, and Christ takes its place, right? In Second Corinthians 4 and 16, it says, Wherefore we faint not, but though our outward man is decaying, Yet our inward man is renewed day by day. Yep. When there were no more questions, Amber and I got up and walked out into the hallway and started towards the front door to leave the school. Well, this school um, we were leaving seemed to be a typical school of today. It was full of lost students and worldly leadership. Yep, and that's what we see in the, in the church schools, too, because I think that's what this is a symbol of, of course. Uh, Hosea 5 and 15 says, I will go and return unto my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me earnestly. Yes, affliction is going to come on the apostate church in hopes of saving some, right? So near the entrance of the school, there was a glass trophy case facing the main doors of the building so everybody can see the trophies, right? So the trophy case represents their idols of self-accomplishment and competition. That's like a worldly school, right? That's what they do. That's a worldly nature, right? And to the right of it was a framed painting or poster which re resembled the African continent. Well, the African continent represents the beginning of the UBM revival that we have had dreams about and is happening. So the, the landmass was green and surrounded by water on all sides. Uh, over the land, there was a giant red swooping arrow which was pointing to a specific area of the map. There was a small cartoon bubble that gave an explanation to the arrow's meaning. It read something like this. The point of the arrow represents the current real-time progress of the group who are traveling through the wilderness. These are being led by Michael. Well, we know that Michael means who is like God and represents the man-child who is like God and leading the, I'm going to call them unscoffers, <laughs> through the wilderness tribulation. 
Amen. Yet the scoffers fall by the wayside, don't they? I either was told or I just knew by the preceding travel progress line that this group had completed roughly 70% of the journey. Well, uh, 70 years was the point at which the captive Israelites, represented by representing the church, uh, followed the man-child and returned to their promised land. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So the direction of the travel had been from north, headed south, southeast, or excuse me, southwest. And when the Israelites, which represent the church, left Babylonish captivity, this was the direction that they had to travel to get to the promised land to rebuild the kingdom. They had traveled through the middle part of the country or continent and were headed towards the water or coastline. And, of course, some people don't want to get in the water. <laughs> but but there is a coastline. The water can also represent the curse, right? So I felt somehow proud that they, or we, had made the journey and that the ending was in sight. Um, well, the coastline represents the end of their journey out of captivity in this case. Zephaniah 2, 6 and 7 says, and the sea coast shall be pastures with cottages for shepherds and folds for flocks. And the east coast shall be for the uh, remnant of the house of Judah. Excuse me, the coast, not the east coast. Uh, and they shall feed their flocks thereupon. In the houses of Ascalon shall they lie down in the evening. Uh, for the Lord their God will visit them and bring back their captives. Amen. You know what I've been calling uh, the West Coast? The Left Coast. (laughs) It seems to fit them better. And then I woke up. Hmm. Well, this is a a revelation given to Claire Pinar, and we called it Big Waves of Judgment Coming. Yep, 12-8. 22. I dreamed Rion was driving our silver van, and I was sitting at the back of the van with my children. And I'm being used in this dream to represent the bride because my name means brilliant, and the bride's garments are bright and pure, as spoken of in Revelation 19 and 8. And it was given unto her that she should array herself in fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And Rion represents the man-child, as his name means little lion king. The silver van represents the Holy Spirit, which is the vehicle which gives us the power to move like Christ. And I am sitting in the back of the van, which represents the bride in submission to her Lord, as well as the rest of her fruit, right? Represented by Claire's children. Amen. So, two other people were with me who were my parents in the dream. They likely represent the original gospel 
uh, once and for all delivered to the saints, as in Jude 3 and 3. Beloved, while I was giving all diligence to write unto you of our common salvation, I was constrained to write unto you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered unto the saints. That's the only uh, gospel we're to receive. And that's the only salvation we are to receive. You need to read the book. Uh, it, if you just are trusting in the people and you go to church and you believe with everything they say, you need to read the book. You're contending for the that which was once and for all delivered unto the saints. So, Rion had driven us so far into the wilderness, and we could go no further. There was no more road, and the bush was too thick. He made a U-turn with the van, and we had not started driving forward yet, and were perpendicular to the road when a massive rushing wave of water as tall as two stories came hurtling down the road. Hmm. I thought, wow, no time to escape. Instead of the water crashing over the van and destroying it, the van lifted up and rode the wave of water, but the water seeped in through the van's floor. The van was up high on the wave for a considerable amount of time. Then it crashed down, and I thought, it's a miracle the tires haven't popped. So anyway, they were preserved in that van, which is abiding in Christ or abiding in the Holy Spirit, right? They were preserved. So in a flash, we were in a wilderness exploration place. I remembered it as being the time, the same place Rion was translated to in one of his dreams. It's called Russell Falls. Russell means a uh, little ruddy one, a uh, little red-haired one. So we were uh, translated to where the flesh falls, right? We stood on the deck at the visitor center of this nature reserve, and I looked up in the tree that was growing through the deck, and my old history professor was there. Uh, representing Jesus, our history professor, as he wrote or professed, and everything was created, right? And I greeted him, and he greeted me by name, and I was amazed he had remembered me. I asked the Lord who the professor was, and I flipped my Bible open by faith at random on the phrase, Light of the World, (laughs) from Matthew 5 and 14. Light of the world. Amen. That's a true history there, you know. And I asked him how work at the university was going, and he replied, I have been made redundant. Hmm. In other words, no longer needed or useful, which is exactly the world's attitude towards Christ and his word. And the worldly church is that way, too. He is uh, not necessary. We've got it all figured out. The preachers tell us we're okay. So <laughs> uh, he asked me what I was doing, and I said, everything I was created for, living for God, raising my family, helping my husband, 
learning. He seemed pleased. There were other people in the refuge, uh, but they were not waiting on the deck. In the dream, there was a beach, and these people were terribly close to the open water, uh, probably indicating that they will be subjected to the tsunami of judgment coming. Hmm? And one of these people was a boy who committed suicide, who was in my senior year in high school. He was with other young men from my high school days. Well, I believe this probably is a symbol that many will commit spiritual suicide because they didn't heed the warnings of the prophets. So we were supposed to wait there for one whole day. We had no internet connection, no cell phone reception, nothing. Could be representing not giving heed to what man is communicating and the disinformation and propaganda that's being perpetuated by many media outlets, including many in the alternative media. Yeah. Ultimately, true disciples cannot go beyond what the Word of God says, which is represented by Claire and her family being on the deck or uh, in the ark with Jesus, our professor. Right? Okay. So I asked the Lord for a word by faith at random and received Nehemiah 2, 19-20 with my finger on Sanballat and Tobiah the servant. Sanballat means bramble bush <laughs> or enemy in secret and Tobiah means Yahweh is good. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Jeshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us. Well, here again are the scoffers who will receive judgment, right? And said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. That's true of the people that the Lord has, you know, thumped out from among us, I believe. Nehemiah represents those whom the Lord uses to administer the judgments. I also received Lamentations 1 and 9 by faith at random. Her filthiness was in her skirt. She remembered not her latter end. Therefore is she come down wonderfully. She had no comforter. Behold, O Lord, my affliction, for the enemy hath magnified himself. Well, these verses give a pretty clear indication why the judgment is coming, right? So I asked the Lord to help me with this dream, and I received by faith at random, uh, Jonah 2 and 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. Well, Jonah represents 
what to do to escape the judgments, right? <laughs> okay, here's a revelation that we called uh, Project Ark. <clears throat> Project Ark. It was given to Deb Horton, twelve thirty one twenty two. She said, I dreamed I was in a city, and it seemed to be a grayish, cloudy day. And there were gray buildings, gray sidewalks, and the colors were very muted and washed out. I was standing in front of an office building, maybe a skyscraper, but my vision was extremely limited to my immediate surroundings. Well, I think the gray city represents Babylon, which is dead in its sins. Okay. I was in a conversation with a man I didn't know, nor did he know me. It was just one of those conversations people strike up when they're waiting somewhere and uh, become bored or make a comment that another person responds to, and it turns into a friendly exchange. I must have asked him about his job because he said Project Ark, or The Ark. I was excited when I heard that, but he didn't understand why I was excited. I said, don't you know what that means? And he just looked at me with a blank expression. Well, uh, he was a member of this Babylonian city, right? And uh, though he was bringing people into the beginning of the kingdom, I'm talking about uh, the so-called Christian Babylonian city here, and they do, they, they're not qualified to do anything but to get people to accept Jesus. And when they get past that, they start getting into error. <laughs> so, so I say he was bringing people into the beginning of the kingdom that he did not know he would have to escape the wrath of God to come since most of these people believe the rapture will deliver them from all trouble. They don't know that the trouble is what they need to deliver them from their sins so they can even fully enter into the kingdom, right? So I asked Father to give me a verse by faith at random about the overall dream and received Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There's the Prince of Peace, Jesus, right? And of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from henceforth even forever. So the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Yes. This represents that the man-child Jesus and the repetition of history, the man-child of our day, both of their jobs were to preserve people from the wrath to come. 
respectively, in 70 A.D., and then in our day, by getting them into the ark, right? So just as that wrath came after Jesus uh, in 70 A.D., it will come in our day, too. So the ark was a hiding place from the curse represented by the waters, right? Amen. So Marie Kelton got this on one two twenty three. Hide in me from the coming pestilence. Hide in me from the coming pestilence. So during our meeting I had an open vision of the Lord sitting on a throne, and I was sitting on his lap, and I heard him say, Hide in me, hide in me from the coming pestilence. I saw myself merge into him after he spoke those words. I felt there was a sense of urgency in the Lord's voice and when he was telling me to hide in him. I then had another vision of me with a white head covering on. I watched from heaven as an asteroid coming from the sky hit a city that was on the earth. Well, the um, head covering, of course, represents uh, submission to the husband. Right? And in this case, it's Jesus, I'm sure. Uh, since uh, Shalanda is, uh, Marie is not uh, married. Okay. So the impact, I believe, of this coming plague could be as destructive as an asteroid from heaven. This could be a spiritual representation of God's judgment on Babylon of pestilence since the Lord told her to hide in me from the coming pestilence. The city blew up and dark gray smoke was coming from the city representing Babylon. And I thought of the song, she said, You are my hiding place. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Amen. Okay. Another thought here. We call this, This Isn't a Game. Samuel Fire, one eleven. There it is again. <laughs> 23. David's notes in red here. Okay. After praying... I saw a vision of me, my wife, and all the brethren. We were all lined up as though ready for a track race. Each of us had a giant rubber band strapped around our waist. We were observed by a jeering and condescending crowd, but they never got too close. Uh, and he, he says the crowd is the world and their carnal perspectives ridiculing those who pursue, pursue Christ. And I would say the worldly church too because they don't consider it a race. They just stepped over the line themselves and proclaimed that they had arrived, right? Waiting for the rapture. Just sit down and wait for the rapture, right? So, again, we see here the scoffers who won't listen, right? An official who looked like Michael Hare was there with instructions and a starter flag. He explained that we all had a pole on our lane. 
we were to stretch this rubber band and touch it to the pole. He explained further that no one was actually touched has actually touched the pole by themselves. In other words, in their own strength and efforts, right? And that the ones who relied on their own ability experienced, right? The the rubber band recoil back and they failed to reach the pole, right? He said to be careful and to know your goal, Zechariah 4 and 6. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So there was this rubber band to keep them back from um, uh, running and winning the race here, right? I could then see ahead to the pole, and I realized that there was a person uh, who was standing as the pole. He looked like the Lord Jesus and was standing there with open arms and a very warm smile. And I knew then that this was more than just a game and to be taken very seriously. Well, he says our deepest desire is the Lord to manifest Him and our goal in this life. In Romans uh, 14 and 18 he gives, For who herein serveth Christ is well-pleasing to God and approved of men. Amen. Then Michael waved the flag and shouted, Go! And everyone was serious and focused on reaching their goal. I didn't look any more to see about the others and just wanted to reach the Lord. I heard the crowd yelling out things like, no one ever reaches the pole. That's their doctrine, right? And uh, you're weak. And why are you doing this? So the religious people want to discourage us because they do not believe that we are called to be Christ-like. Right? Amen. Once I started, I realized that uh, this rubber band was the enemy trying to hold me back. And I remember the verse in uh, Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things in him that strengtheneth me. And also Philippians three twelve through 14, Not that I have already received or am already made perfect, but I follow on. If so be that I may apprehend that for which I also was apprehended by Christ Jesus. And what is that? Well, the goal was to reach Christ, right? Brethren, I reckon not my recognize excuse me, I reckon not myself yet to apprehended, but one thing, forgetting the things which are behind and stretching forward to those before, I follow on towards the mark unto the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's the prize of the high calling of God, right? Christ-likeness. I pressed on and was at my body's physical limits. I saw on the ground markers of other people's best achievements. I looked up and I saw the adoring love from our Lord and I thought, 
Nothing can sustain me but my Lord God. So the Lord has completed and conquered all, and He in us can do the same, Samuel said. Yep, and I thought of Second Corinthians 12 and 9. It says, And He has said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Amen. Uh, and he gives First John 4 and 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is the one in you than the one in the world. And they use the numeric English New Testament, which is a good, very good, the best. Okay, So I took more steps, but my steps were as if something else was giving me the power. Uh-huh. By faith, we are supernaturally charged and can move mountains. Amen. Second Corinthians 5 and 7, he gives, For we walk through faith and not through sight. And also Matthew 21 and 21. And Jesus answered and said to them, Amen, I say unto you, If you shall have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do what is done to the fig tree, but even if you shall say to this mountain, Be thou taken up and cast into the sea, it shall be done. Wow, God's given us so many awesome, powerful promises, right? Then I heard the rubber band, which was attached to the starting line, begin to make snapping noises. <laughs> and I knew that just pressing in and pushing forward was my deepest desire, to be in His arms. I then heard a snap, and the rubber band just dropped and drooped around me. It didn't even make a recoil. It didn't fling and hit me, uh, but sagged like an oversized ribbon and dragged behind me. So, he says, the rubber band represents the enemy trying to hold us all back from fully manifesting Jesus and trying to also stop us from being with him. The further away we get, that is from our starting point on our journey towards Christ, the rubber band around us gets tighter and the more intense the enemy gets, the closer we get to Jesus. The enemy gives us trials more and more increasingly difficult, and when we overcome, the rubber uh, band snaps and the enemy is defeated. And before I knew it, I was already at the pole, and the Lord was indeed smiling greatly. And then I woke up. I realized that we need to press on to the best prize, Jesus, despite every resistance. We are to remain true to the Word and break through the challenges. Amen. Amen. Okay, this is about uh, pure food satisfies those truly hungry. This was given to Gaino Moser, one nine twenty three. I was in a gymnasium similar to the one my children attended. 
Rows of chairs were set up facing a stage where there were several people sitting. These chairs were filled with those attending this event. From the beginning, I felt those on stage were the apostate preachers and those attending were a representation of their followers. Someone on stage was talking, but few people were actually listening. Instead, many were talking amongst themselves, laughing and joking around. They were not serious about listening to the words being spoken to them. Many were there to put their time in and call it good uh, for the rest of the week. (laughs) Yeah. And behind the rows of chairs were white tables with many white bowls filled with what looked to me to be white hot cereal. Everything there was white. There was not a set time to eat, but occasionally someone would get up and walk by the tables. Of oh, That's the apostate church. Occasionally they would walk by and look at this. You know, They do get insights every once in a while, run across a real disciple or, or something, you know. So many looked, but most kept on walking and walked right out the door. Well, they were showing no appreciation for the pure word, is what I believe this is stating. There were a few who took a bowl. These were the ones who went up the stairs to go on the stage that was to the right of the other stage, which was on the left, right? Those on the left get left. (laughs) No. Those on the left are the stubborn goats, right? The stage was on the right and was enclosed with red velvet curtains. I had not seen this stage in the beginning. Yep, I might add, nobody does. I didn't know what was behind the curtain until someone with a white bowl, parted the curtain enough to walk back behind the right stage. It was then that I saw David standing with a book in his hand. And there were people eating at a white table in front of David. He was holding the Bible, teaching the true word of God that these people were desiring to hear. I felt that David was representing the man-child reformer body. The uh, white bowls of white food on the tables represented the books that he has written. They're all, they all looked alike because they all had the pure word of God in them. The red velvet curtain uh, set these people apart from all the rest. They were covered by the blood of Jesus. Remember, we discovered walking in the light is how you get the blood of Jesus applied, right? So they were not distracted by the behavior of the worldly church, right? So back to the dream. Later, as I looked over the gymnasium, I could see that most of the chairs were gone. But there were a few empty chairs sitting amongst candy wrappers, and other papers strewn on the floor. 
Well, we know that the apostates only want to partake of uh, sugary things, you know. Uh, And she went on. The majority of the people left without eating the white food. Some did look at the food, but few partook of it. Most just walked out quietly. I uh, felt the few empty chairs still sitting on the floor belonged to those who were truly hungry and were now behind the red velvet curtain where truth was being taught. They were the ones who went away satisfied. The verse I received by faith at random for this dream was Ezekiel 12 and 2. My finger was on the word dwellest. Son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of the rebellious house that have eyes to see and see not, that have ears to hear and hear not, for they are a rebellious house. And this was by faith at random, right? So, Gainol said, what sorrow Jesus must feel as he stands in their midst. This chapter is very much for today, reminding us that things cannot continue. There will be judgment coming soon. And this is because God, of course, wants to turn people away from their sinful ways, which brings them into the captivity, right? So this verse brought back to my remembrance a vision I had while attending a meeting at the last fellowship my husband and I had joined in the past. In the vision, there were barely any light in the room, but I saw Jesus crying as he walked between the tables. I was not allowed to share this vision with them. Hmm. I asked for another verse by faith at random for the red velvet curtain and received Revelation 1, 7 through 8. My finger was between verse 7 and 8, In context, 5 through 8. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and ruler of the kings of the earth, unto him that loveth us, and looseth us from our sins by his blood. And he made us to be a kingdom, and to be priests unto his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they that pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth shall mourn over him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, saith the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Well, we pray that all of these people would be ready for that day, right? And Judy Farno got this. We called it Every Knee Will Bow, 12-4-22. I dreamed about the Lord coming on a cloud, and I knew that Jesus was coming, but I saw faces of fear. There were a few happy faces. I saw a young girl with short black hair 
standing and pulling her hair out. Hmm. Well, these are the rebellious goats who are submitted to darkness, right? And they fear the coming of the Lord. I had a small Bible in my hand, and I told people, don't fear or be worried. It says here in the Bible that we win. I just went around. That's the gospel, right? (laughs) I just went around to everyone and kept saying, that phrase while holding my Bible out in front. I also said, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Be happy. But the girl kept pulling her black hair out. Well, black hair is a submission to darkness, right? Uh, Her hair in 1 Corinthians 11 represents submission to her husband, which is the Lord, right? But this, in this case, it's darkness, black hair. So some people who are submitted to darkness know that they are not ready to meet the Lord. But the ones that are ready will not be ashamed at His coming. First John 2 and 8 says, And now, my little children, abide in Him, that if He shall be manifested, and He's talking about in us, um, shining forth from us, right? We may have boldness and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Yes, if He lives in you, you won't be ashamed before Him at His coming. You won't fear His coming. Then we saw Jesus coming on the cloud, and there was a lot of color all around Him. Well, you know the prism, how the prism breaks down the light into different colors this, this uh, represents the attributes of the light. And Jesus is the light of the world, right? That's what we need. <laughs> All that color. Like Joseph's coat of many colors, right? He was righteous. I received by faith at random, Proverbs 17 and 4. My finger was on an evil doer. An evil doer giveth heed to wicked lips. Yep, this is what separates them. And a liar giveth ear to a mischievous tongue. Whoso mocketh the poor, um, probably the poor in spirit, right? Reproacheth his maker. And he that is glad at calamity shall not be unpunished. Hmm. And Vanessa Weeks had this on one eleven. One eleven. All the tribes of the earth will mourn. Well notice the date of this dream, one eleven. This is also the Gematria, by the way, of the man child. Yeah. You know the little baby coming to be born and a lot of times the gematria around that is one eleven. I dreamed that I was very that it was very dark outside. And I saw destruction several places. Some of these things were natural disasters, like earthquakes and tornadoes. Then I saw some people and they appeared dark because of the darkness. 
and some of these people were standing and some were kneeling, but they were together in a group. Then these people started to mourn, and I heard it very clearly, and it was very sad. As I heard them mourning, I thought, all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And then I woke up. Revelation 1 and 7 she gives. Behold, he cometh with the clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they that pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth shall mourn over him. Even so, amen. Yes, you know, who is it that pierced Jesus? Who is it that put him on the cross? Well, all of us sinners. But we don't, we can't afford to stay there, right? We have to bear fruit. So those who have persecuted his disciples have persecuted him, right? So Tiana Fire got this on one ten twenty three. The man child manifested in his reformers. I dreamt that God had raised up a small number of individual men all over the world, and they were manifesting Jesus and their hundredfold authority and boldness in Christ. The men weren't physically together, but they were each in all different locations. Amen. Uh, they got persecuted. However, it didn't move them because it was just Jesus working in them. And when the persecution would come to these men, it would just bounce off of them, and it couldn't hurt or touch them. Well, this is as it was with Jesus and his disciples up until their crucifixion too, right? The men would uh, travel around the place with absolute basic living, not even having a normal place to stay most of the time. And they would be followed by those who wanted to learn to manifest Jesus. And after the, uh, let me say, after the mid-tribulation period, um, this may be true since disciples will not be able to buy or sell. So, uh, again, it could bring people to some uh, apparent um, poverty, but that's not a problem for the child of God. Jesus walked around and carried everything with him. <laughs> he had nothing. His disciples had nothing. Their most important thing was not things. It was, you know, getting the word out quickly. I saw one man named Timothy meaning honoring God or honored by God. And God was using him, and he had a group of people that followed him, and they were living out of in the bush or, or tribulation wilderness. Yeah, And he was teaching them how to exercise their authority and manifest Jesus. He didn't really manifest many emotions like humans do, but was serious about God and calm, gentle, compassionate, but also bold and fierce and mentally strong. Timothy moved all around, but at this time was staying in a tiny blue silver caravan, and all those following him just lived outside the caravan, sleeping under the stars. Timothy was teaching them all how to follow Jesus and walk as he walked. I then saw Chuck 
from the UBM worship team as one of these men, and he was manifesting the boldness and authority in Christ also. He had a group of people following him uh, that he was raising up and teaching how to walk as Jesus, right? He was doing the same as Timothy, except in a different area and different circumstances. And then I woke up. Praise the Lord. I tell you, disciples are going to go forth in the power of Jesus all over the world and raise up multitudes of people and making disciples after the order of the first disciples. Right? Amen. So, um, well, I've run out of time. So, thank you, Father, for what you've done here today. Thank you, Lord, for what you're showing us. Uh, God, we praise you and we thank you. We ask you, Lord, to manifest your Son in us, Lord. We want to see this uh, making multitudes of disciples and bringing people into the kingdom here in the last moments in time. Thank you, Father, for doing this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, saints. God bless you and keep you. We'll do this again sometime. My thirsting soul, pure as water, made me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus. I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus. Yeah.